Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. We would like to say welcome to you. Um, Before I pray and before we jump into our message, we do want to welcome you. This is a miracle place. It's interesting. This was originally, before we got here, a pawn shop, a place where people would come when they were desperate and bring their last prized possession and get pennies on the dollar for what they turned in. It's now a place you can come in desperate, and with whatever you have, we expect that God's going to pour more into your life. Amen? It's so cool to see God transition things. So whether you need healing or you uh, need some hope or some direction in life, God's got, God's got that for you. It's not a pawn shop. It's the house of God, and we're excited about it. And I'm excited to look out and to be able to see you. I want to be able to give a couple, couple of words of appreciation to a few people. Um, I want to just say thank you to all of our ministry leaders because the last two years has been, last three years actually, if you know what I'm talking about, has been quite fascinating, terrifying, exciting. Um, Several Easter's ago, I was shooting a video of myself with the same jacket on in the woods down by the creek uh, for online. And our church at that time had gone, we had met in three schools prior to that. Then COVID hit, we met Uh, We did online recording. We met in 12 different families' homes. Uh, That recording was going out to our connect groups to be able to watch it as small groups online. And in the process of me shooting outside, you cannot believe how many airplanes, trains, cars, and I'm in the middle of the woods. It's nuts. Then then the sun started to go down or the, uh, the clouds would go by. It was just crazy trying to watch this video, and it looks like it was shot in 14 different countries because of all that was going on. And uh, it's been a long time since we've really been able to gather, although we've done it. We, after, um, after we got out of that season, we started meeting in a three-car converted studio garage on our church property. It's the craziest thing ever. Three services, stacking people into the room. And uh, once that got old, because that, that was a lot of work, we set up a tent right there on the side of the, the studio, and in the process, it just about blew down every single gathering. It is windy in that area. Now, that's property that we still own, and we're thankful for it. But I don't know if you realize this. We were in the process, the trajectory, uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago. We would have probably been building now at this point right there on our property. And COVID showed up, and the world went nuts. There was an election. There were fires. There were riots. Um, and God was still good through it all. Amen? Amen. And so we kept our face forward, sought the Lord, gathered. You got, listen, we have to get together. The Bible explains that it's so important for us to gather. We're wired that way. And uh, there's a lot of risk out there. Um, no disrespect to COVID. It, it's an issue. But there are lots of issues that will try to keep you from the best things that God has for you. Uh, so in that process of meeting in the tent, we knew that we needed to find a permanent place. Because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, but if we've got a place where we can get people into. So we abandoned building. Uh, We still own the property, but we began to look. And I want to tell you, we looked at hundreds of properties during that time. We had money in the bank and offered to buy buildings, and it just wouldn't work out. And came to about August of last year. And I'm telling you, I had hit the end. I mean, like the end, like emotionally and mentally, it was like in front of an entire army. But I got together with our board of directors, uh, who are wonderful people, 
Um, a couple of them are not here. They're actually pastors in the C3 mo um, movement. Pastor Kerry will be with us next week. He's the one we helped to plant a church during COVID down in Frisco, Texas. He's on the board. Also a wonderful gentleman that helped us with that plant. His name is uh, Bob uh, Carlson. He will be with us in a couple of weeks. Um, also gathered with Jordan Wisdom. He's one of our board members and I appreciate him so much. Um, also, where's, is John in the room? Is he in the back there? <laughs> John, we love you, we appreciate your help. And uh, Mr. Hofer, where are you at? Right, right back there, Jay Hofer. And they gathered with us and we laid out what our options were. And I wanna tell you, I'm not gonna tell you what the options were, um, but I, I was serious about some of the ones that we didn't take because there were just no, couldn't find a building. And listen, just meeting in that tent forever just wasn't gonna work because winter was coming. And uh, went on a trip and got a phone call. Of all places, they, they gave us permission to come here. We had tried every amazing place, but we had no, we, big, big box retail places don't want a church in them. It doesn't matter. I offered one place to pay five years in advance our lease up front, and they told me, no, we don't want a church on our property. And I'm like, cash money. So those were the types of things we were dealing with. When the phone call came, I met with our board, and uh, they said, Steve, we believe in you. We believe in our church. We believe in you and Rowena. We believe in our church. Let's bet on ourselves. Let's take option number three. Let's spare no expense. Let's do this well. Let's build a place so that people can gather and we can do the, the Father's business. And so we began the process. And I felt fresh wind come back into me because we finally had an option. And man, this place sure turned out cool, didn't it? It is just a building, but I'm gonna tell you what, if you don't have one, it, it's, it's a pretty big deal. We won't spend every week talking about the building. Again, it's just a tool, but it is a useful one that we will use and be thankful for. Uh, I want to say thank you to our ministry leaders, people like Jen and Marina, who over the last couple of years have really locked down C3 Kids. In fact, they're probably not even in the room. Oh, Jen is. Give them a hand. They're doing a phenomenal job. Um, our Steve Jr. and our My City um, student ministry team leads, they have done such a great job meeting in all sorts of places. I wanted to especially thank Trish and Josh for... They don't even care what we're thanking you for. Josh and Trish, our favorites. Uh, I want to say to the people who you hardly hear from and don't ever see until there's a squeal or the lights go out, our production team, you guys are rock stars all the way. And I say that because for the history of our church, we've met in schools previously and we know what it is to set up and tear down and have to come in every single week and do it again. Before COVID hit, we had approximately 70 people on that team every week to make this thing happen. And that was a lot of work. And through the transition, obviously, people move, people change, people make all kinds of decisions. And we had to shift and set up in different places. I told them today, when you turn the light on today, you're going to do some things. And then when we're done, you're going to turn the light off. And you're going to go home, and then the next time we come in here, you're going to turn the light on. 
If you can remember that, we're good to go. Give, our, give those guys a, just a big hand. And I did want to say, especially to Sandy Hofer, thank you so much for all the amazing after-gathering Saturday night meals. It's crazy. Sandy, we asked her, do you think it would be possible for us to have a snack every night after, you know, on those Saturday nights, everybody hanging around? And I don't think she knows what a snack is. I've been to Sizzlers, and they don't have that much food. Uh, she had a bunch of people helping her, but I, I just thank you so much. Um, our contractors, I don't know if any of them are here. They were going to be here. I don't see them. Thank you, guys. Are, are any of them here? Okay. Um, many of you who have stayed late, all, all the stuff that's been done on here has not been done by just contractors. It's been done by us. Um, that kitchenette, that whole entry area, all the technology that's been installed with the exception of this, all done by us, our teams, uh, Josh and Trish especially. Uh, did, have done such a great job. Corey and Jenny worked endlessly. Jay and Sandy worked endlessly. Uh, Phil was in putting in lights, and Steve was here constantly, and there were students and uh, children, and I, I, I can't name everybody, but there's just so many people working up. They were up, you know, who's that up there? I can't see his face because I only see his ankles because the ceiling goes above this. Hey, thank you. And uh, that's how it was for quite a while. Um, I want to say just real quick, I want to thank my family. I don't say it a lot, but I will say more in the future. Um, as a dad and as a pastor, I can remember my kids in church vacuuming in between the aisles. They loved it. They were so excited when you would show up. Our people are coming, Dad. <laughs> Siri is now talking to me for whatever I just said. Sorry about that. Get out of there. Who do I want to send it to? Cancel. <laughs> it's not going to send it. That's great. Um, and our kids have just grown up, not in church, with church, with you guys. And to see them as adults, I got to tell you, there's something amazing. If you have a vision for your kid's future, raise them in the house of God. And it doesn't mean they will just only do this. They'll be better business leaders. They'll be better spouses. They'll be better people in the community. What happens in the house of God gets on them. The worship, the prayer, the time spent together, it's powerful. It will send the trajectory of your family in amazing directions. Get them in while they're young because it will impact them. And so for me to watch my son who's running all this technology, my gosh, my head would explode. And I'm a technological guy. Or to... I don't even see Leslie. It's because she hides in the shadows and gets really creative. And most of our artwork or the, or the photography is her team. And then uh, to watch my middle daughter, Val, up here leading worship and preaching, all of them preaching sometimes, I thank you guys. I love you guys. I'm proud of you guys. And I just wanted to say to our other lead pastor, uh, Pastor Rowena, or my kids call her Pastor Mom. I think you should start calling her Pastor Mom. I'm sure she would hate it, but for me, just go ahead and do that. <laughs> I used to tell people when I was a youth pastor, I would joke, I would tell people, you know about Rowena's glass eye. No disrespect to anyone who has a glass eye, okay? <laughs> you can get in trouble for saying anything these days. You can't talk about anything. But so I would tell the students, new students, I'd be like, Have you, Rowena has a glass eye. And they're like, no way. I said, no, listen, if you go up to her while you're talking, if you just move, a little bit while you're talking, 
the one eye, it'll track a little weird. And like, really? So kids would go up and start talking to Rowena, and they'd start going like this. And she knew, she knew the gig. Did he tell you I had a glass eye? And that's, that's the fun we have. She doesn't have a glass eye, by the way. You're like, I didn't know she had a glass eye. It looks so real. It's because it is, okay? But I, sweetheart, I wanted to say thank you for you. So many people have just really blossomed, strangely, during COVID. And man, the best thing, I, I've watched Rowena step into that moment and boss lady. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, thank God for COVID. Understand that I'm saying thank God for adversity because it'll bring some of the best stuff in your life out. If you partner with God, I'm not thanking God for a disease. I'm thanking God for the opportunity that we all have in adversity, whatever adversity we face, to partner with God and fight through and see the good stuff come out. Almost every, well, in fact, every miracle that happens in the Bible, when does it happen? During adversity. It's the time for God to show up. And the people who partner with God, they lean forward at the moment of adversity, and God shows up, and it's powerful. You still here? Okay. Uh, just a quick reminder, Supernatural Saturday is happening um, this week, next Saturday. I want to invite you here. Please register for that. This is going to be a great opportunity, especially for our, our everyone, but especially for our team leads, people who are involved with church leadership on any level, volunteering. Pastor Kerry is an incredible guy, great friend of mine, incredibly prophetic. And for you, this will be a time of just refreshing impartation and all kinds of great stuff, okay? So please sign up. It's five bucks. The lunch we're buying you, I think, costs 10. Okay? So sign up. It's a way, uh, it'll be a great, great Saturday. Okay, so let's jump into our new series entitled Better. Um, I Take me to slide, no, slide number one in there, Steve. They'll get it figured out. We had some technology, we had, strangely, on day one, we had some technology problems. <laughs> it was really weird. Okay, our series is entitled Better. They'll catch up with me in a second. And the thing I want to tell you is this. The worst thing with God is still better than the best thing without him. The worst anything without God is, I said that wrong, the worst Anything with God is still better than the best thing without him. The worst financial situation with God is still better than the most amazing financial situation without him. A struggling marriage is still better with God than a marriage that's going well right now without him. The worst things with God are still better than the best things without him. So I want to read you this portion of scripture, Psalm number 84, verses 10 through 12. It says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Better. Just say that word with me. Better. 
You can have okay, but God has better. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this portion of scripture that describes better. And so as we celebrate Jesus, you, on this resurrection day, where better came, God, we want to step into the best things that you have for us in every quadrant of our life. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, right now to speak to our hearts. And I pray, Lord, for maybe the person in the room who's maybe never heard you really speak to their, speak to their soul. God, that right now that you would breathe into them as we step into your word. We know that the word of God has the power to bring life. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Okay. Uh, to know better, sometimes you have to know worse. Does that make sense? To know what's better, sometimes you have to know something that's worse. Now, that knowledge can come really quick. When I was a kid, it was easy for me to know that my cereal was better than my mom's. My Crunchberry Captain Crunch was way better than mom's grape nuts. took about two seconds to figure that out. But other times, it could take a very long time to figure out what is better and which is worse. Uh, Like checking out of all emotions during a property transaction. When you buy your house the first time, you will learn that it's better to turn that switch off because one day you're going to get the house. And then you get a phone call the next day, you're not going to get the house. And then the next day you are getting the house and you are riding up and down. And after a few of those, you learn to turn off. It's better to turn off your emotional switch until they hand you the keys. Amen? So the authors of Psalm number 84, uh, if you guys will put that scripture back up, um, is all about some people who knew worse. The sons of Korah, this portion of scripture in the Psalms uh, talks about a number of things, but it was written not by David, it was written by the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah, they wrote Maskils, which was a psalm, but it was accompanied by a special musical performance. And so these sons of Korah wrote this particular, um, this particular chapter in the Bible. Um, the sons of Korah um, were not necessarily the immediate sons of Korah, but they were the lineage of him, grandsons and great-grandsons and farther on down the, the road. Now, Korah, if you know your Bible, has an extremely famous day during Numbers chapter 16. God had spoken to Moses They were living as slaves with the the Egyptians. And Moses began to lead all 12 families, all 12 tribes of people out of that bondage through the miraculous all the way into the desert to the promised land. And in the process, Numbers chapter 16, the tribe that Moses was from was the tribe of Levi. They were in charge of the tent. We've had one of those where God would meet with the priests And they would serve God and hear from God and pray about where to go next. And God would speak to that tribe, and it was their job to spiritually lead the entire 12 families because they didn't have a president. God was their president. And so God spoke to Moses. Moses and Aaron spoke to the people and led them. Korah was of that tribe, but he was a little bit miffed because in the tribe of Levi, there were two divisions. There were the guys who got to do lots of things. And then there were the priests that was Moses' family. They could do all the really, really special things. They could not only just set up, they could go to the tent, not just step into the tent, 
But there was a curtain in the back that only certain people could go through, the high priests. And Korah was not allowed to go through that door. And it aggravated to him. It's aggravated because he wasn't necessarily hearing God speak. And how come Moses gets to be the one who tells everybody what to do? Why is Moses in charge? And so this began to bother Korah. And so Korah um, began to stir up some stuff amongst people, had an agenda, got 250 guys in this tribe to do a face-off with Moses and his brother Aaron. And in the process, he basically says to him, who put you in charge? What makes you think that you should be the one that gets to go behind that curtain and tell everybody what God says? And it's interesting, Moses' response, Moses basically said, God's already given you a leadership role of honor. Isn't that enough for you? You aren't rebelling against me right now. You're actually rebelling against God. In the morning, the Lord will show you why I'm in charge, that I actually am called by him to do this. Tell you what, take some fire and put it in your censers because uh, fire and incense inside of these decanters was symbolic of the presence of God and the priests would carry them around. He said, put some incense in there, put some fire and meet me at the front door of the tent of meeting. So the next day comes and there were two guys who said, we ain't coming just because you set up a meeting. I'm not going. What makes you think you're in charge? So Moses said, hey, family's living in tents around these guys. Step back, move away, get off separate. And all of a sudden the ground opens up and swallows the whole families and sucks them down into the earth and the ground closes up. I would say that's a good indication of who's in charge. <laughs> who's put who in charge? And then he said to the 250, let's go step to the front of the tabernacle. And fire came out of the front of the tabernacle and all 250 guys, including Korah, dead. You don't know the 249 guys, but Korah is the name that you do know. Korah's family watched their dad lead a rebellion amongst the priests, watched their dad get a bunch of people in trouble. They watched their dad die. I would say that the sons of Korah knew what was worse because they experienced it firsthand. Now, many years pass, and a lot of people can't necessarily remember the Korahites, but the lineage is there in the Bible, and I trust me, the sons of Korah knew this story well. The sons of Korah continued to serve during King David's reign uh, as, as commanders, doorkeepers of his facilities. And when Solomon, his son, built the temple, they continued to serve then and there. The sons of Korah knew what worse looked like. And so Psalm 84, verses 10 through 12, when you read them, these words now mean something completely different. Because when you've read them before, you're like, better is one day in the house of Sundays, the better day. Let's go to church. Better is, these guys are saying, for a day in your courts. Not just in the house of God, but God, a day partnered with you. That's what the courts are. A day partnered with you is better than a thousand away from you. I would rather be a doorkeeper. They are contradicting what their father, Korah, said. They're saying, he spoke against you, God, but I want you to know we are aligning with you. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Because what happened to those tents? They were gone. 
For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. You know, as I look at this scripture, I discover that they recognize in Korah, he was dissatisfied with the courts of the Lord. Those courts represent opportunities and relationships that we have in life. He was dissatisfied with those relationships. He was dissat- Korah was dissatisfied with his place in life. He was dissatisfied with his position and influence. I'm only a doorkeeper in the house of God. I'm just a doorkeeper. I'm so dissatisfied. And he wanted something more. He was not dissatisfied with not being able to go everywhere in the house. Really what he was dissatisfied with was God. His aggravation about what was going on in his life at that moment, while it was directed at a person deep down, really what was going on is he was incredibly dissatisfied because his life was not aligned with God. He wasn't doing life with God. And if Korah had replaced Moses, he would have brought that dissatisfaction into that new position and would have run that position with the same dissatisfaction. Because the truth is, it doesn't really matter where you live when you move to the new place. You do bring all of the satisfaction or dissatisfaction to the new place, to the new friendships, to the new marriage. You continue to go and you show up into that new thing. Uh, Next slide says this, bad is doing it your way. Better is doing it God's way. Amen? Now, I could could stop there, but I want to go a little farther. Bad is doing it your way. Oh, it might work out, but trust me, it's bad in comparison to how it could be if you and God were together. Better is doing it God's way, but best better, and I know that's not even a real phrase, but I'm going to use it. Best better is doing it God's way with God. Amen? Come on, if you agree with that, let me hear you. This is us together, right? Amen. Some of my favorite verses, John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is why Jesus came. This is why we're excited that he got up out of the, out of the tomb, because he came to bring life. Now, I really love the message version of this. It really kind of just sculpts the clay in a beautiful way. It says, a thief is only here to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came so they could have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And I've dreamed of a pretty good life. But whatever you're dreaming, you partner with God and he will exceed your expectations. That has been my experience in this lifetime. In fact, my dreams are dumb. They are out here and gods are, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to try to, I, I can jump that high. I'm just not going to show off in front of you right now. <laughs> Next slide. Jesus died to pay for your sin. He rose again to pay for more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. Amen. He did not die so that you could someday see his face in heaven. He died to pay for all of your wrongdoing before you even respond And three days later, he got up to provide better life than you've ever dreamed of. That's what he offers. That's what my experience has been. He fulfills this. I'm not saying there's not some tough moments. But in the worst, anything worse with God is still going to turn out better. 
then the best things turn out without God. Amen? So let me give you a couple of... Uh, is it time for me to start preaching yet? Can I see the... I still got seven minutes. Lord, there's another miracle we've experienced. I'm going to finish on time. I'm just now getting into my seven points. Okay, so let's go. Oh, you're laughing, visitors. You... I'm not kidding. <laughs> okay, um, doing it your way has consequences. You ever done it your way? Yeah. I did it my way. <laughs> doing it your way, in fact, I'll say even this, doing it your way can still turn out good, but not as good as if you did it God's way or partnered with God to do it God's way. Your best at work will be better in a relationship with God. Your best parenting is made better by a life lived with God. Your financial abilities, we talk about money a lot here at church, not because we want your money. We believe money is pretty valuable. Anybody? Okay. And probably you could use some more. Why? Because you probably thin margins, and we want to see you experience more of God's favor so that you can be more generous. You know, while our church was kind of shut down, I don't know if you know this, we helped to plant two other churches during COVID. We, we spent lots of money. We, we gave one church while we were shut down and our finances were going down. We gave $25,000 to a church plant up in, up in Seattle. They've been running for a year and they're running like a thousand people. I say that's a pretty good investment. I'm feeling like we got... I'm feeling like we got our money's worth on that one. We probably invested a thousand man hours in the church down in Tex Frisco, Texas, and they're rolling along, got about a hundred people, and they're doing a phenomenal job, and the pastor's doing well. We we invested money there as well. We we gave when the margin was slim. And oh, then God did some things for us. Right? Money is spiritual. Why are they always talking about money? Because it's spiritual. Who, if you got in your mind that money is not a spiritual thing and we shouldn't talk about it at church, you definitely come to the wrong church. And just to assure you, because money is very spiritual. Oh, the Bible talks about filthy mammon and Jesus was poor. Uh, let's talk about that some other time. Uh, when he was crucified, they didn't send his clothes to the goodwill. They fought over them. I'm not saying he wore um, Gucci every day. I'm not intending that to even give that picture. But he wasn't walking around in a potato sack. The soldiers weren't fighting over a potato sack in worn-out sandals. God's not nervous about money. Don't you be nervous about it either. Let's celebrate one another. When someone gets a raise, when someone is able to afford something new, let's celebrate them. I get so excited. We've got students in our church that faithfully give. They babysit, and they, they pay their tithe. We've got some students, students, students. Giving to our vision builders. Come on, you got to be able to celebrate that. You know there's a God if a student gives to the house of God. Because it would have to be God. But doing it your way has consequences. Either not the full potential or there's some, uh-oh. It's interesting. We were, as we were laying this uh, building out, came to the part for the... Uh, the carpeting, 
Carpenter started in the front corner. A super nice guy, so I don't want, I don't want to reflect poorly here. Wonderful, wonderful man. Spent some time with him, hired one of the guys on his crew, and uh, who washed our windows. Just a delight to be around. I'm not a carpet layer. I'm not a brain surgeon. I'm a pastor. If you want to know something about scripture, I can give that to you. I don't necessarily know about carpet laying, but they snapped a line down the hallway. Everything was nice. Began to lay the carpet tiles. That's where they started. And I come walking down that 800-mile hallway. Anybody seen that hallway? It's, it's awesome, but it's like, I do. is that going down? What's going on down there? And the carpet started to curve. It's like you snap a line for straight, and then you put the carpet squares on the line all the way down so that it'll be straight. And it began to curve, and I could see the line, and I could see the product over here. And I said, I said hey, listen, not getting in your business. Excited you're here. Excited what you're doing. From down here, it looks like we're doing, a, we're doing a curve. Now, some of you are going to go out there. Some of you are like, I already saw that. <laughs> a plus, my OCD friends, Kim saw that from her house before ever seeing it. That's how OCD she is. And so I, he says this to me. He says, Steve, we start with the first square, and when it's straight, we begin to put other pieces in, and the product goes where the product goes. Your walls are crooked. I said, man, I am not a carpet layer, not trying to say that I am. Man, I'm pretty sure you stick with the line, but let me back up and let you do your thing. Three days later, they finished over here. Of course, if you look at the hall, it grows by six inches on the left, and it shrinks by six inches on the right. And since they did the building, starting with that first square, and finished over here with the last square in this room, every room is crooked. And next week, they're coming to tear every square out I didn't demand it. I didn't have to. Our contractor demanded it. When you deviate from the best line available, you will find yourself in curvy places doing extra things that you would not need to do. One of the scariest statements you can make is, I know the Bible says blah, 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 but... Now, I want to tell you something. There are a lot of stinky butts in this town. That's the stinkiest one. I know God says this, but I want to tell you what. God says it, you can bank on it. His line is straight. His line is not straight for his sake. His line is straight for your best outcome. Better is available because he tells you what is better. Now, there's been some difficult moments in my life where following the line, man, it's been very challenging but it has always paid off. Always, every single time. Point number two. Raina, if, Raina, if you could subdue your laughter, it'd be most helpful. It's very much an interactive church, which I thoroughly love. Amen? amen. Come on, amen? Yeah. Come on, let me hear some noise. Ah. Why are they raising their hands? Why, are they, why was that one guy, ball guy up front? Why was he jumping around? I do the same thing at a football game. I sure as heck am going to do it in the house of God. I'm not going to be more excited about whoever our new quarterback is going to be than I am about the house of God. I'm at the point where I don't care anymore. Anyways, moving on. Um, your past does not dictate your future. Cora blew his world up. And his sons, farther down the family tree, 
caught a vision for better and laid it out and stuck with a line. Wrote parts of the Bible celebrating the goodness of God. And I, many years later, am reading this in my, my front room early in the morning, and the words are speaking to me, giving me life. Because somebody's past did not influence their future. Anytime, even the worst things with God will always turn out than the best things without him. Your future is better with him in it. Oh, really? It's going to be that hard to get an amen? Your future is the best it will ever be with God tangibly in it. I'm going to say it again. Your future is so significantly better if he is in it, it will blow your mind as you look at your life in the future. I mean, there were some moments when I, I, I'm going to be really honest with you. Me and Rowena get along really good, and I did appreciate her when we first got married. But to be really honest, I feel like she was getting a pretty good deal. And sometimes when she aggravated me a little bit, when she didn't laugh at my jokes and other things like that, that I felt like maybe she was getting a better deal than I was maybe a little bit. If, you know, just being a little bit honest. Like, you don't know whether to cheer for that or, or boo that or like, you know what you need to do. You need to boo that stuff. And I'm going to tell you what, I've tried to honor scripture when it comes to my family and my wife. And my wife has definitely honored scripture. And I can tell you, man, oh, day. I hit the lottery with my wife. She is one of the most amazing people that I know. I, I married her. After seeing her in Bible school, I had so much respect for her. It's gotten better. Better. She still doesn't laugh at my jokes. It still irritates me. So you know what I do? I keep telling them. And I tell them again, and I laugh at loud, hysterically at my own jokes. And me and myself and I have the greatest time. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about a few people on this point. Oh, see, I went over, so I'm three minutes over now. You doing okay on time? Can I take an extra five minutes? Yeah, you okay? I was thinking about some people who have walked into our world. Your past does not dictate your future. Sam? <laughs> Thank God for this last season of the craziness in our church. You are a special guy. You are a servant and a half. You have a heart of gold. A great day in the life of C3 Church was when you walked through these doors. And Sam, better. Better ahead. You know why? Some adversity will dial you into your, your future. Right? You know that. You know, I was thinking about the Mallow family. I can see them sitting back there. You see kids running around with tech hats on. It was an awesome day when you walked in. I think your kids, walk, go ahead and give them a big hand. You know, I think it's kind of your kids brought, probably brought you. I think your daughter hangs around with uh, one of the young men in our church. See them talking occasionally to each other. Um, it's been neat to see you as parents come in 
But while I was putting this message together, I was thinking about all that. And it is awesome. Your kids have come in. Your kids are so respectful. Your children have come up to me and thanked me like I had given them bars of gold after a sermon. It's been like a little bit overwhelming. Like, are you, are you, fool, are you playing tricks on me or something? <laughs> but just sincere. And I know that how that's captured you guys and begin to draw you in. Scott, we haven't talked a lot. We've spent a little time together. But I, I bet it's probably pretty exciting because if, if God can get a hold of your kids in your mind, they're not going to go through the stuff, dumb stuff that we did, right? That's a big part of it. You want better for your kids. But I wanted to say to you, Scott, is that I'll bet if you look backwards at your family tree, and I don't know this because we haven't talked, but if you look backwards at your family tree, there's some crazy stuff there. There's some bizarre stories that make for great campfires telling these stories, but they're not necessarily great stories, some of it. And that's in the past, and you're looking forward to your future personally for your kids saying, ah, the family tree is going to look different. But I'm going to stop you there because while they might have been the catalyst for you coming in, he's got you, buddy. He's got his eye on you, your future. Your future is better. Scott, your future is better. Your marriage is better in the future. Your finances are better in the future. Everything is better with him in it. And just take the jerk. Keep going on the journey with him. Amen? Come on. Joe, I could, Joe, I could say the same thing for you. It was a great day when you walked in. Thank you for, thank you for just helping us. I, I really appreciate you. And Joe is the type of guy just to share all the craziness going on in his life. He, and, and I had a lot of respect for him because he just shared everything with me. And going through a tough season, and uh, the thing I've learned about Joe, Joe's got a, uh, I don't know if he still has it, but a path that he goes and he prays and he's wore the thing out. One day, I think it's okay to tell this story, saw a bag and went over and looked at it, and there was a whole bunch of junk weed in there. Somebody had stashed their weed on, next to his trail. It's like a big bag of weed. <laughs> uh, just a fact you didn't need to know. But anyway, anyways, <laughs> it's like, what happened to the weed? <laughs> Get your mind on the things of God, people, okay? And I just really respect, Joe, you know, that time that you really pressed in for prayer. I love that in a difficult time, you leaned way in. That makes it better. You know it. You know it. I'm going to give you point number three real quick, real quick. There's no situation that God can't improve, okay? Anything God touches gets better. I'm done. Okay, we're going to do something special at this time. We're going to celebrate communion together as a church family. I'm going to have you stand. It is Easter Sunday. Resurrect. I, I don't even know what the word Easter means, but resurrection, I know what that means. And we're celebrating Jesus. The fact that he makes all things better. Um, I'm going to pray for you here in just a second. I want to give you a little instruction. We're going to do communion the way we used to do it. And if you don't want to participate, that's okay. I understand. I'm not afraid of your germs. Um, no, no, we're not drinking out everybody out of the glass. We're not doing that. <laughs> I do care about them germs. Um, 
I'm gonna pray over you in just a second, and I'm gonna invite you from the back row to the front. The back row is gonna make their way down this aisle, and the back row over there is gonna make their way down this aisle. You're gonna come by, you're gonna grab a piece of bread, and you're gonna dip it, you're gonna grab a napkin, you're gonna drip the, dip the bread into the juice, hold the napkin, un, well, carpet's getting replaced, don't worry about it, just. <laughs> I walk in the building and I'm leaning, why is the carpet's fault? Um, I want you just to, as you walk together, just as a family, just, just pray out loud. We're real big on you praying out loud. You know why? The person you're praying for can't read your mind. Pray blessing over them as you receive communion. Of course, this is symbolic of what Christ did. You guys can come up on stage. Come on up here. Um, give our worship team a big hand. This is symbolic of the way better life that you could never dream of that's offered. And I want to make sure that if you haven't said yes to what this represents, we're going to pray in just a second, and I want to invite you to say yes. Now, we're not one of these lean backward churches and be real polite. We lean forward. We're aggressive. We don't say, hey, would you like to get involved? If you got a little extra time, we say, hey, God's got something for you to do. You ready? It's forward leaning. We're excited. People of action. Um, pray out loud over your family when you get back to your seats. Give God thanks. But we want to invite you first to make sure that you've said yes. Don't, don't receive communion if you've not said yes to what it represents. Say yes. And when you say yes, let people know that you said yes. It's so important. If your first yes is out loud, all of the following yeses will be out loud. You love God? Yes. You love your spouse? Yes. You hate sin? Yes. You pray? Yes. Read your Bible? Yes forward-leaning, going after the things of God in our life. Well, bow your head with me and let me pray for you. Before I pray over you, I just want to invite you. If you've yet to say yes to Jesus, if you've been hanging around the church, if you've been hanging around some friends and you know you need some better, God's got the better that you need. So I want to invite you to say yes as we pray here in just a second. For the rest of you, maybe this has been a if you've already said yes, maybe this last couple of years has been challenging. It's been tough. Maybe this last week has been tough. I want to invite you to say yes again. Yes to today. Yes to God's better for your life right now. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that better came. This world knew worse from the first bite of that fruit. Up until that tomb opened up, we certainly knew what worse was. But man, I have tasted and seen that you are good. From my first yes, right up until this moment, everything has been better with you in my life. So Lord, right here, right now, on this Resurrection Sunday, I say yes. For me, I say yes again. After all these years, I say yes. I do, I will, yes. Maybe if it's the first time, I say yes. Come on, say it with me. I say yes. I know I asked you to bow your, bow your heads, but look at, we don't have to pray with your eyes closed. Look me in the eye, and I'm praying right now. I say yes. 
I say yes. I say yes to the better that God has. You say yes. I say yes. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.